How's that? Better? Okay, good. Okay. There are several statements that we might say are at the heart of our faith as Christians, and one of those is that Jesus is both fully God and fully human, right? Many of us have heard that our whole lives. It's something that's just part of the fabric of what we believe as followers of Jesus Christ. Maybe you came along that later on in life and came to believe it, but most of us in this room come to this worship service assuming that to be true. But, you know, here's the thing. Even though we know this proposition is true, when we begin to think about how that actually worked, and it gets a little bit confusing and seems maybe even a little strange when we think about God in human form taking his first steps on wobbly little legs, right? Or learning to, to form those first words or his parents smiling to hear that first laugh that came out of his mouth. Or God himself having to put up with a bully or a pain in the neck younger brother or whatever it is that are just things that are part of growing up. It's hard to imagine God going through that in human form. And yet, what we know is that God had a physical body like us in the form of Jesus. And his body went through the same kinds of things that ours does growing up and, and feeling needs and all that that are just part of human existence. But I think sometimes we forget that. We forget that Jesus came and he was with us. And that's going to be our theme for this Christmas season, that Jesus was with us and in many ways continues to be with us. But what are the implications of that? What did it look like and what does it mean for us today? And so I want us to explore that a little bit as we look at passages that really point to the reality of Jesus having a physical body. Now, one of the, the, the basic fundamental needs of our physical bodies is sleep, right? And we don't think a lot about that until we can't do it, right? I had one of those nights last night, as a matter of fact, which is ironic that we were going to talk about this today. But you know, when you're awake at 2.30 in the morning and you just can't get back to sleep... It's really frustrating. And what we find out is that we can't make ourselves go to sleep, right? There's just no way to make that happen. You can't will yourself to sleep. In fact, the more you try, the more difficult it becomes, right? It is hard to get to sleep when we're struggling with that. And, and Jesus experienced the need for sleep as well. Now, we know that in those moments when we're awake in the middle of the night and trying to get to sleep and thinking about how miserable we're going to feel the next day because we didn't sleep right and how in the afternoon after a day of work our bodies are going to wear out. We're not going to think as clearly as we normally would. Maybe our emotions might get the best of us at times. It's just a miserable feeling. And we know in the long term that, that we need good sleep, right? The studies show that we live longer if we sleep better, and it's better for our physical and emotional health. It's part of who we are as human beings to need sleep. But how about God in human form? What about him? Well, we find out in Luke chapter 8 that Jesus himself had a similar need and a very interesting story that shows a couple of important things about the nature of who Jesus was. And so Luke chapter 8 today is where we're going to be. Just four verses in this story, but it's a powerful story. It begins this way. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in a boat and set out. Now that begins simply enough, right? 
Jesus says, let's go to the other side of the lake. Now, what lake are they talking about? They're talking about the Sea of Galilee. That's what we normally call it. Sometimes Luke calls it the Sea of Gennesaret. But it really was and is more of a lake than we would see, that we would call a sea, like, say, the Mediterranean Sea, right? So this is more like a lake. And in fact, we have to remember that at least four of Jesus' disciples knew this lake very well because they were fishermen. They were professionals. They were out on this lake every day and had been for most of their lives because they probably learned this profession from their fathers and grandfathers. And so these men who are very familiar with the lake, very familiar with navigating on it, the landmarks that would have been around, I mean, they knew it probably as well as we can find our way around town. They could find their way around the Sea of Galilee, this lake as we're called. And Jesus says, let's go to the other side. Pretty normal thing because they did it all the time. But what we know about the Sea of Galilee is this, that around most of the Sea of Galilee, as you can see in that picture, are hills that slope down toward the sea, which sits 800 feet below sea level. And so those hills and valleys form what are really like troughs or funnels for the weather to flow down into the sea. So squalls and thunderstorms and rainstorms show up very quickly and sometimes unexpectedly on the Sea of Galilee. And that's what happened on this day. Verse 23, as they sailed, he, Jesus, fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. Now, some of you have had the experience of being out on the lake on a warm spring or summer day and it's really calm and smooth and you've dozed a little bit in the sun, right? I mean, that's happened to some of us, okay? And that's a pretty good feeling in a way, right? Quiet, it's good. Happened to Jesus. Jesus falls asleep in the boat like human beings do on a warm afternoon. Mark tells us in his account of this story that Jesus fell asleep on a cushion. It's almost as if Jesus brought the cushion with him because he intended to get a nap while they were in the boat, okay? Jesus' body, his physical body, needed sleep. And so he got some. But then this storm came up. Like these unexpected squalls come up on the Sea of Galilee. And the odd thing is, Jesus stayed asleep. And this storm becomes pretty intense. It is not the normal kind of thing that these four fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, would have been accustomed to. It is more than they have seen before. This squall comes up and they are really afraid, we find out. They were in great danger, Luke tells us, afraid that the boat would be swamped. The rain is coming down so fast that they can't bail it as quickly as it is filling up the boat. And so these guys who are used to storms on the Sea of Galilee are afraid. They're afraid they're going to die because this boat is going to be swamped. It's going to sink. And most people in ancient Judea and Galilee, you know, we know Peter could swim from one other account in the Gospels, but most people couldn't swim. And so being out of the boat in a storm like this means you're going to die, okay? Jesus, however, still asleep. Verse 24, they decide it's time to wake him up. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. They're afraid they're going to die. He got up, 
and rebuked the wind and the raging waters, the storm subsided, and all was calm. Now here we have this interesting contrast. In one verse, what do we hear? Jesus is asleep. He's got this physical body that needs sleep. In the very next verse, they wake Jesus up, and suddenly he's in control of the weather, all right? In control of nature, showing a very different part of who he is. Jesus calms the storm. Now, how do you respond to that? Luke gives two questions that come at the end of the story in verse 25. The first question is from Jesus. Where's your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Somehow Jesus saw in their great fear, their fear that they were about to die, a lack of faith. This sense that if they had known who he was, and they should, right? They've already seen miracles. They've heard his teaching. They should recognize that he could act in this moment to bring salvation to them. And yet they don't see that. They're afraid they're going to die. And so Jesus says, where's your faith? Where's your faith in me? Where's your faith in God? Why are you so afraid? Now, if I had been one of those disciples, I'd have been like, Jesus, you're asleep, dude. I was scared, okay? But they turn to one another, and their question is, who is this? Who is this? That one moment he's sleeping through this storm, and the next moment, the weather, nature itself, obeys him. And really, this is a question that people have been asking for 2,000 years, right? Who, who is this? Who is Jesus, that he is a human being who has a physical body that requires all the things that our physical bodies require, and yet he could also cast out evil spirits. He could also heal people. He could also control nature. It's interesting here it says that Jesus rebuked the storm. It's the same kind of language that we see when Jesus does cast out evil spirits because some people in the ancient world believed that storms like this were caused by spirits. So Jesus rebukes this storm like a spirit and gets rid of it. But the question is, who is this? And I think this story, like several others that we could look at, in fact, many others in the Gospels, sort of reminds us back of that basic truth that we talked about at the beginning, that Jesus is both fully God and fully human. And so if we think about this story, we might say it this way, Jesus' need for sleep displays his humanity. His power over the sea shows his divinity. In just a couple of verses, we see this full nature of Jesus. Now, again, this is not an exhaustive statement for what it means for Jesus to be God in human form. In fact, we have lots of stories in the Gospels that point to that. Paul spends a lot of time explaining what that means in his letters because he thinks it's really important for Christians to get right. Okay, But this story sort of shows us what that looks like in, in, in a real form right in this one little story. Fully human, that he needed sleep. Fully God, that he could control nature. 
So as we get into this series with us and launch into this for the Christmas season and begin with this story, what does it tell us? What do we take from that? And I think there's three truths that I'd like to point to pretty quickly. First of all is this. This story, this truth that Jesus is both fully God and fully human sets Christianity apart. Okay? It, it makes Christianity different because almost all religions will not say that there was a human being who was God. Okay? Now we know there are certain religions who will say that there are beings who are human, who are descended from the gods, and they might call them demigods. They're sort of second-rate gods. They're above humans, but they're below gods. There are this series of gods above that or a chief god above that. Okay, so they're sort of humans, sort of God. That's not the claim that's being made here about Jesus. He's not got a little God and a little humanity mixed together. What we have is a human being who is God. When we were in Colossians, we talked about all the fullness of God dwelling in him. Just a few weeks ago, we talked about that. And so this sets Christianity apart to say that God himself chose to be a human being to show us what he, what, what he wants us to know, which is that he loves us. This is all motivated by God's love and his desire to bring us salvation. And that's the good news for us, that God loved us enough to come and be with us. So this sets us apart from virtually every other religion in the world. Second, it reminds us that Jesus is our clearest picture of God. Now, this is something we've talked about. We talked about it a good bit in our series on Colossians just a few weeks ago, and I've talked about it before. But if we want to get to know God, we've got to look at Jesus. As I've said, and, and other preachers have said, Jesus is all the God that we need. And if we're looking for a God that can't be found in Jesus, we're looking for something that doesn't exist. We're looking for a God that we've created, that we want to exist. What Jesus came to do is to show us who the real God is. Now, certainly we can see God at work in Old Testament passages, and that's not to say that those are imperfect pictures. But if we want the clearest picture of God that we have, it's in Jesus. And so we need to look to Jesus for that. This is God revealing himself to us in the best way possible to be with us. Okay. Now, was that difficult? Yeah, because God did have to take on human form and face the pain that we face and face death itself. But God was willing to do that because he loved us so much. Jesus is the clearest picture of God that we get. And then finally, Jesus is the clearest picture of humanity that we have. I mean, what this story reminds us is that Jesus was a real human being with a physical body that had a heart that beat and lungs that breathed and a brain that thought. Okay, Jesus had all that, a body that even needed to go to sleep at times. And so part of the reason that Jesus came is to communicate to us who God is and what the nature of God is. But part of the reason Jesus came to be with us is to show us what human life should really be like. And no, none of us can perform the miracles that Jesus did. That's because he was God. And none of us are perfect in the same way that Jesus was perfect. But 
And he showed us how to interact with people. He showed us how to see the needs around him. He showed us that we've got to speak the truth. There are so many things that we learn about what it means to be human by looking to the story of Jesus. So he's the best picture of God that we've got, and he's the best picture of humanity that we've got. And this is such a great gift to us. That's why he's here. To show us who God is, and to show us who we can be. We've talked about the fact that we reflect the glory of God. No one did that better than Jesus. And if we want to see how it's done, we look to Jesus for a picture of that. Now here's the thing. If this is just one story that reminds us that Jesus is both fully God and fully human then there must be others, and that is true, and we're going to look at some of those in this series. But here's what I want us to remember. If we want to get this full picture of who God is, and if we want to get this full picture of what it means to be a human being created by God, now there are times when, when we talk about our humanity in the negative way, right? That's just me being human, which means I'm imperfect. But when God created humanity, he didn't say, wow, that's imperfect. No, he said, it is very good. And the fact that he took on human flesh reminds us that it is very good. Now, if we want to get those pictures of God and humanity the clear as, they, as clear as they can possibly be in our minds, we've got to read it, right? We've actually got to read the stories, We've got to understand what they say about God and what they say about Jesus. So if we want to get that picture, we've got to read it. And my encouragement to you would be this. As we walk through this series that I'm calling with us, as we walk through the Christmas season, pick up one of the Gospels. You can choose whichever one you want. You know, they all give us a beautiful picture of both God and humanity. And read one chapter a day. And several of those, if you read one chapter a day, you're going to finish it before we get into 2022, okay? If you pick, pick Mark, the shortest one, you'll get there before Christmas. So pick one of them, just read one chapter a day, and let those stories come across you. And hear what they have to say about this human being who had to even sleep, which shows his humanity, but also had control over nature itself, which shows his divinity. And get an understanding of what he's saying and what he's showing us about God. And let him teach you what it means to be human. Let's pray together. Now we're so thankful for Jesus. There's no one like him. There's no gift that we've been given that is remotely like Jesus. One of us, with us, and yet wholly different, wholly other. And God, we pray that you will help us as we read the stories that we find in the Gospels to get a picture of that once again, to grapple with the truth that we find there, to see what we could be and to see who you are. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.